I want to welcome you to the Drag Champ Show. The three amigos are leading this show, none other than Jake Hodge, Mr. Hoodrich, Ryan Gleghorn, and Gary Don Free, Mr. Drag Champ himself. Now, I wouldn't ride to the store with these three yahoos, but you put them together for some good old stories, some racing news, some results from all over the world. Now, that's a party you just don't want to miss. So, let's tune in, let's hang on, and let's get it on. I want to welcome you to the Drag Champ Show. We're back. That's right. The Drag Champs show is back with new episodes. And this week, our first guest since our break, our 18-time world champ, Anthony Bertazzi, and Iron Mike Fuquay. Now, this episode was recorded in February of 2022, so it's on tape delay, basically. If you want to listen to new episodes as they occur and as we record them, we do it live on Facebook and the Drag Champ Pro memberships only site. So to join or learn more about Drag Champ Pro and how you can listen to these live and interact as we record them with our guests, go to dragchamp.com pro for more information. Oh, All right, we're boy. about to be live on Facebook. Oh, we got this got thing recording. Yeah, got it. I don't know where Britt is, but we got the we got the two most famous guests on, so we can roll. <laughs> Britt's on that Cajun time. He'll be here. I brought right. my wiener to the party. You brought your wiener? Yeah. So Anthony, we just have fun on here, Mike. We we literally we we tell stories, we cuss, we uh, give each other shit. Uh, you know, mainly we like to just. Bench race is what I call it. Um, so Jake usually antagonizes people, the guest, until till they tell some kind of good story or something and things oh, like I've, that. Oh, I've got them keyed up. Don't worry. <laughs> so, uh, but you really, it's just old story. It, it's definitely hey, not so, an interview. So, so, it's nothing. We're, we're live on Facebook now, right? Yeah, we're live on Facebook right, yeah. on the pro right, page. So the first thing that I want to address is uh, I got I don't know who's in charge of the Drag Champ Facebook. Well, y'all put a post, a picture up of Brit looking kind of cool, and me and Anthony look like a couple of fags on a boat. <laughs> we did look like the fags. Got a shirt on. Don't clear the air. Clear the air on that before we get started. <laughs> we were just on a boat drinking. As we had girls with us. They yeah, we, we, exactly. We needed a caption on that. Dudes on a boat drinking with some bitches. <laughs> <laughs> just had us looking like two homos. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Y'all got somebody got to clean. All that I up. can tell you, Anthony, is there's not many pictures on the internet of you. So I got the best thing I could get. I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right, I'm gra- I'm going with this one. I tried there, to crop it so it didn't uh, look so bad. But there's you plenty of them. My Facebook page. Yeah. yeah. I said you didn't check my Facebook page for pictures. All right, if you need me, I did. Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't exist for my guest appearances. Uh-oh. That's all my age right there. That's right. Oh, oh, I need you to ask if anybody's ever You can hear Brody. You're going to have to mute. Yeah, Brody's trying to leave. Yeah, Brody's got to get out of here. So, yeah, yeah. there's plenty oh, of pictures of Antoine on Facebook. They're just all holding a Wally. It just, it's like the same <laughs> damn picture. That's true. That's true. It must have been back from the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You're, I forgot you're washed up. I, you, uh-huh. <laughs> didn't you win a world championship like a last year or something? Um, this top dragster yeah, it really I mean, doesn't count. Yeah, well, it was I, I call it a COVID <laughs> championship. It was uh, I actually ended up with the most points. Yeah, at the end of the year. Yeah. We're about to piss Mike off. I said top dragster doesn't count. Yeah, you know, I had that. <laughs> Mike's been out of time or two. So I feel like we should start this off because I saw a lot of posts about this recently on the on social media. What was it about? Uh, Iron Mike's trailer when the races were over. What what went on down there? 
<laughs> I don't know about all that. I can't say it was just mine, but we used to have we used to have a pretty good time to IHRA races. I think me and Anthony talked about this a few times. We used to uh, you go to the IHRA race, you couldn't wait to get there. It you get off work on Thursday, you drive all night, and you wasn't in there for the race. You went there for the party because that was the best parties of the, I guess that I can remember. And we uh, some we, we had next tails back then. Me and Anthony talked on next tails all the way to the races to get there so we could drink gamble and we raced a little bit but we did a lot more drinking and gambling than anything antoine doesn't gamble i gamble a little bit <laughs> <laughs> back in the day we used to gamble a lot but yeah, uh no. but yeah the old hra days were something boy everybody was cooking partying hanging out shooting dice staying up all night i don't know if their age got us now uh i say that you go to the nhra races now and it seems like Nine or ten o'clock, they roll the carpets up out there. Kind of at the uh, some of the bracket races are the same way, but I guess the younger guys now it seems like all they do is smoke weed and order pizza. You know, we used to drink and I mean, you never see them cooking or shit. You know, you used to cook and drink, and have a good time, stay at half a night, and come to the track the next morning and seem to always do well. I, I remember me and you in Etheridge one night, and we'd been drinking all night. As the sun was coming up, you remember this? We had a we bet uh, Scott Duggins, his creek chief guy, he couldn't do thirty five push ups or something. That was right as the sun come up. That's the kind of shit we would do: stay up till the sun come up and go race. Yeah, we definitely had some late nights. That's why I never run stock eliminator. They were way too early. <laughs> too early. Stock and super time. Yeah. Stock eliminator to the lane, seven a.m. Exactly. Do you see it, Indy? Not what was it the year before last, where they literally it was dark. And they were running stock through the uh, at Indy at like seven a.m. in the morning, and yeah, it was still dark fall, outside. You couldn't couldn't see the scoreboard. <laughs> I remember that. Safety first. Safety first. Mm. <laughs> so, Anthony, for for my generation, I, which just sounds awful to even say, you're like this. You're the, you're the guy that pops in and out, and you'll come to a three day bracket race and race one day and go home. You're kind of a you're kind of like a mystery to us now. What is your day to day life like right now? Because before, I mean, you were committed like you were at all these ihra national events you were there and you were winning and you were going home but what did, i know you hang out what you live in virginia beach i live in uh, richmond virginia i got a house in virginia beach but, but what, um that day-to-day now what's it look like for you what's crazy when you're young and you're racing and and get caught up in it and you're loving it and that's all you eat drink breathe sleep think about and you put a hundred percent effort into it and as you get older, I hate to say it, you, your priorities change a little bit. You know, you get, I hate to admit this, I got two grandchildren and, <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, it makes me feel old. Um, you got two grandchildren and, and, and you, you're, again, your priorities change. It's a whole lot more to life, I mean, than just racing. So I would put 100% in back in the day. And, um, and it, it honestly tells on the racetrack. Um, so now I just have as much fun going to the beach with them or doing stuff on a boat or doing whatever. Um, so I'll go to a bracket race in the first day if I ain't doing any good and don't have my heart into it like I used to. And, you know, I'll let John and, and all those guys take over the guys that drive my cars or like Cisco winning a million. I mean, that was crazy. I was at Virginia beach on the boat. Uh, <laughs> so if, you know, if I don't put a hundred percent into it, I'll, come hang out still have a great time love it um don't feel like i'm gonna win i'll just move on go do something fun 
Well, Iron Mike, what about you, buddy? I know that you hang out and machine parts and wheels and everything all day long, but you uh, you're you still get away and have fun on a cigarette boat every now and then. Man, I quit when I stopped about seven years ago. I bought that cigarette. Well, that's not even true. We were looking at him, and I sent a picture to Anthony. Just read, <laughs> yeah. And I said, buy this one. So he bought that one. I went and got it. And then about, a, I guess, six months later, I bought a blue one just like it. So for the last six or seven years, we've been doing all these crazy poker runs and uh, going to, doing all the poker runs. Yeah, we were actually winning a little money doing that. What the but, hell's a poker run? I mean, tell me so about poker, how that works. Poker running the boats like this. Me and Anthony get in. We take our shirts off. And then we get us two fine looking <laughs> bitches to get in with us. And it's always the same two. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, and then we go. Uh, it's usually if we're in Florida, for example, there'll be 10 different stops. And you uh, you open up a cold beer, you turn on the radio loud and you haul ass to the first stop. And you get your card. And once you make all the stops, you get that night. You go play your cards and the winner gets anywhere from three thousand to fifty thousand dollars, depending on, you know, what the po- which poker run it is. So uh, that we got to doing that a lot. And then from there. He bought him a house in Florida, so we keep one there. So about every other weekend, we fly to Fort Lauderdale, and we boat a lot now. That's 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 about half the fun in the wintertime. Yeah, they don't have buybacks. They don't uh, – <laughs> I mean, every now and then we bust down, but not very often. So you're going to have a, a, a very good day on the water every time you go out. It's a, it's when, a did our, when did our first poker run coming back from Key West? We broke down in <clears throat> Biscayne Bay like 50 miles from anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And what we do, we cracked a cold beer and didn't give a damn. It's, it would have took us probably, what, 45 minutes to get back to Fort Lauderdale from Biscayne Bay. It took us about four hours idling. We drank <laughs> beer, listened to music, had a ball. So you don't have a bad day on the water usually. No, not at all. But you, day to day, you have work. I say you have a lot of good days. Day and making, uh, making, cutting wheels, working at the shop, doing all that. Then we try to, in the winter, we try to boat. Actually, I boat a lot in the summer too. And, Blake's drug me back in this racing thing a little bit, so I guess we're going to do that again. You just like this, like you get a, maybe a, you lose a bad run or a close run. You're like, damn, this is why I boat. Is that, is that just what <laughs> runs through your head? Exactly. Yeah, it, oh, I was going to say with him too, but sometimes with me, it's exactly that. It depends on what race I'm at as well. If I'm at Galat or at somewhere close to the beach and – I make a bad run or get beat the first day, and that's when you don't see me no more. Hey, I jump had, in my car. We had a pretty good party at Goliath. You were kind of against it, but we ended up making a dice table up against your trailer wall. Wow. Now I'm usually full of dice now. Back in the day, though. You Mike said, man, that good. ain't no dice table. We can't use that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. We'll go back in the day to the monkey truck. I don't know if y'all ever heard of the monkey truck. Hey. That that's on my list. I'm supposed to ask about the monkey truck that comes up to Lee's Bar Grill. Yeah, that's a true story. So about shit, I guess it was in the uh, late '80s, early '90s. No, yeah, late '80s. Um, my father used to love going to auctions, and he went to a car auction, and they had a 16 foot box truck that a um, this like street artist owned, and he had all these um, all these painted. Um, monkeys he had like monkeys and and uh like a jungle scene on it and on the front of the thing it, he had like a raccoon or a uh yeah it was a raccoon that had got run over by the truck on the back of it it had a donkey's ass with like a real donkey's tail coming out the back and um uh, it had all kinds of stuff on it the top said hello up there like if you were up in a plane or something and saw and looked down on it 
So he brings this thing back to the office, and I said, what the fuck are you going to do with this thing, Pops? And he's like, I don't know. We can, you know, haul sheetrock in it, do whatever. And uh, then I got the idea. I said, I'm going to take this bitch to the racetrack. So Lee used to tow my rig around, Lee McLaughlin. And all he would do, he told me, he said, I'll tow your rig any way you want. I got two requests. Buy me all the beer I can drink driving there. And don't ask me to do a fucking thing on a race car. He said, I don't care if I had to screw a spark plug in for you to win the race. I ain't doing it. So he would cook and drink. And so I got a bar built in this thing. I took it to a guy. He built a bar in it. We put a crack table in it. We got a um, neon light made that said Lee's Bar and Grill and hung it in there. And I want to say the first race we took it to was West Palm Beach, a five-day. And, uh, and that year, I had done a drywall job for a guy that owned a wine and beer warehouse. And the guy asked me how much he owed me when I was done. And I said, give me 100 cases of Bud Light. And we backed that thing up, put a hundred cases of Bud Light, and headed to Florida. And that's a true story. And we used to party in there. It was it was crazy. So anybody that got beat first round was in Lee's Bar and Grill, the first round lounge we called it. And that thing was around for for a good while. I think I've seen Bastinelli post about it. First round lounge, yeah. Oh yeah, Bastinelli was in there. Hey, I did get a hold of Britt. And uh, he's in the bed sick, so he can't even pick his head up right now. So Britt ain't going to make it tonight. But he was just a conduit to make this happen anyway. I hate to make him feel bad. (laughs) You guys are the stars. Yeah, he was tricking us into this. Let me rephrase that. Ryan, Jake, Mike, and Anthony are the stars. That's all I've heard about is everybody. That's good. We can talk about him now. We can make fun of him. Let's What's your best Britt story? Because I heard a few at the million, and you guys had me rolling. So that's what started this whole thing about y'all being on the podcast. I, I have to go back on the bridge, but I got to tell you, you got to let Anthony tell you the one. Uh, I don't remember what it was. We was fucking around one day back when they had uh, internet. I think they had uh, – there was drag race results as there is now, but I think they had one called Bracket News, too, that we used to mess with all the time. Yep. And I went on there one morning. I, was, I just talk, I talked to him about every morning on the way to work on the phone. <laughs> I got to work, and – I just went in there and made up this story that Andy was testing the stalker on the airport. Thing got away from him and spun off the airport, hit a bale of hay, and caught on fire. And it was just a crazy-ass shit I made up. And from there, I think uh, Anthony got donations from GoFundMe. I think the IHRA <laughs> president called him. Tell him about it, Anthony. <clears throat> That's a true story. He makes this thing up. <clears throat> and I had stopped on the side of, uh, or, or pulled off the side of the road at this airstrip to test my stalker because I had a problem with it. Thing got loose, like he said, hit a bale of hay, caught on fire. <laughs> Fucking Mike says, burn all his hair off his head. And, I mean, made this whole thing up. This was way before internet or anything. So I guess no people, Facebook all, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no Facebook. All these people calling me, and the president, Bill Bader from IHRA, called me. He goes, he was worried to death. He goes, what happened? He goes, I read about your, you know, accident on the, on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, uh, airport runway and and your car caught on fire and I mean he was worried to death. I got cards in the mail. It was the craziest shit. This is something Mike made up. These I mean years. That was back in what late night had to be in the late nineties. Should have had to be. I can't even remember when it was. I know it was just a joke. But <laughs> didn't the, didn't the preacher call you? Want to pray for you? Know, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The preacher called me. IHRA preacher. It was uh, it was it was crazy. Sorry, preacher. That, it was a lie. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely of, a lie. Like, we've done man. some dumb shit over occasion. Like I, I, a buddy of mine, 
his nicknames are AB. He pulled into Moffitt one night in a rental car. And uh, he run his rental car down the Moffitt track. And I think he uh, hit it on, ended up spinning it out and hitting the front and back. Tell, yeah, he can tell you the story. I was going to ask about this story. So this is good. Wait, you went all Jags with a rental car? Well, yeah, I guess I guess I did. Yeah. Jags or or, uh, or John or one of the coffins. But no, it was a crazy story. So I used to go to Immokalee every year. And right by the airport, they had this really good um, seafood place. And I love some, some Maryland blue crabs. And they always had Maryland blue crabs, but they also had buckets of beer. when I would. So I would schedule my flight for happy hour. And I would go there on Thursday, get my rental, go right to the place, eat crabs, drink a couple buckets of beer. So I was not feeling any pain when I rolled in a Mockley that night or that afternoon. So I rolled in and I knew the uh, track owner pretty decent, Ralph. And um, another funny story, uh, the year before I'd met Ralph or maybe two years before at IHRA race, and I was doing pretty good in the points. And Ralph says, Anthony, if you win the world championship, when you come to Mockley next year, I'm going to have an airplane flying around with your name on it. And I'm looking at him like, who the fuck is this guy? And I said, that ain't going to happen. So I ended up winning the world championship. I come to Immokalee the next year, and he's got an airplane with a banner behind it going, whatever year it was, world champion, Anthony Bertazzi. I mean, it was actually embarrassing. But uh, so he and I become good friends. And it was probably two years later, and I roll in the gate, and Ralph's at the gate. And he goes, uh, Scotty Richardson's doing a school right now. He goes, go up there and fuck with him. So I roll around the tower and I see he's got a guy. He's trying to show him how to stage. And <clears throat> I pulled in the other side in the burnout box. I was in a Toyota RAV4 rental car. I pull in the burnout box and pull a handbrake and get this thing to do a burnout. I go up and stage beside this guy, this Scotty's guy. And uh, we take off and we're running down through there. And I get to almost eighth mile. And I said, I'm going to just smoke the front tires. I'm going to pull a handbrake. So now I've been racing. 30 some years i've never knock on wood crashed a race car i get to the finish line I, i'm going like 65 i guess i pull this handbrake and it stays on and this thing starts sliding around and i can't get the handbrake off it gets up on two wheels and i swear i said to myself i'm gonna fucking flip a rental car at the racetrack and admit finally i got it off and it came back down it spun around about three times and it hit the uh the concrete wall at about 65 backwards and it was dragging the bumper and it flat spotted the tires and it was funny because i remember troy williams run over the fence everybody ran over the fence because they heard the squeal and they're going some dumb motherfucker that scotty was teaching the drag race he probably told him to spot drop and the guy hit the wall well here i come across there with a the bumper drag into my pit and they all run over there i was in there about half drunk and crashed this <laughs> rental car it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a story. <laughs> now, how did they react whenever you brought that motherfucker back? <laughs> well, that's another story. And if Steve Furr was on here, he can tell you. <laughs> that was crazy. So we're going back. I think we left there and went to Randy Folks for a day or so. Flew out of, of uh, um, Sarasota. But again, this thing was flat spotted so bad. It was like your head was hitting a ceiling when you were driving down the road. So Fur wanted to ride to the airport, so I'm driving this thing. Well, first thing, it, it knocked the whole door in, and it had one of them spare tires on the door. So Rodnut, who was working for me back then, he and I, I got in the back of the 
car, truck, and he took a jack handle and put it in the spare tire, and him and another guy were pulling on it, trying to get the door out because the door wouldn't even open. And I'm in there kicking. So we finally get the door open. We go up to Napa and buy some touch-up paint for a RAV4 and screw the, the uh, back bumper back on. It was a bumper cover. Screw and pop ribbon that back on, touch it up. Uh, and it didn't look horrible, uh, but the tires were, like I said, flat-spotted. So <laughs> <laughs> Steve Furr goes, there ain't no fucking way you would turn this thing in and anyone know. And I said, I got an idea. I said, when we get there, I said, let's get out like we're arguing. And I said, we'll get in a fight and like fucking wrestle around on the ground and shit. And they won't pay no attention to the car. And Steve's like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> so we get there and there's two guys. And I mean, it's beautiful sunshine, like I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning. And the one guy comes up and I get out and I'm like, man, it looks fucking cloudy out here today. I said, is it going to rain? Is it going to thunderstorm? I said, are these flights on schedule? And he's looking around the sky and he goes, yeah, I think everything's on schedule. And we're walking around the cars. We're talking and Steve's talking to the other guy and we're kind of just trying to keep him occupied. And finally the guy walks around and he signs the thing and hands, hands it to me. <laughs> we leave. I'm laughing. We fly from there. We land in <clears throat> uh, Charlotte. And when I land in Charlotte, my daughter's text me a couple of times going, call me as soon as you can. So I call <laughs> and she, she says, uh, the manager from Alamo has called, uh, is, is looking for you. Need you to call him right away. And I said, oh, shit, I ain't calling him. And so I get back home, and I call him once I get back home. And he says, you know, this thing's tore up. And I said, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. There was two guys that walked this whole car with me. I said, I don't know what they did when they left where we dropped it off. But they signed off. They walked this thing. It was perfect when we left it. And... <laughs> About uh, two or three weeks later, I got a $5,600 bill in the mail from him to repair it. And I made a bet. Actually, with uh, Kathy was my girlfriend at the time. I made a bet with her. I said, before this thing's over with, I'll get an apology letter. And she's like, ain't no fucking way they will apologize to you. You go had to pay for it. And I said, I'm telling you. And before it was over, I got a, I still got it. A, a apology letter for Alamo. So, you know, I did run a lot from him back then, but. You know, sorry we accused you of messing up the car and what air insurance took care of it. And, you know, appreciate you being a good customer. And so. I hope Alamo don't watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't put my last name on it. Yeah. That's that, your limitation. That was the one and only time I've crashed on a, on a drag strip. Shit, they probably got your picture hanging in their office. <laughs> Out of all the, I mean, you've made probably, what, thousands and thousands of trips, never hit the wall, tapped it, nothing. No, no, never had a close call. Had a, wow. had a tire blow at one time going 150 or something, but it went on to the end of the track with no problem. But the hey, rental while, car. While you're in a storytelling mood, tell me about the state trooper in Brainerd. Oh, Lord, that was, uh, that was last year. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to go uh, back in the way back archives even. <laughs> no, that one wasn't long ago. So, let our race. I raced uh, Topeka the weekend before, and John didn't come, and he was coming to Brainerd, and my daughter was coming to Brainerd. So I left Topeka, stayed. I flew or drove to Brainerd to pick them up. Well, whatever day it was, it must have been Wednesday, and they were supposed to get in like lunchtime. Well, Ross LaReese had rented this party boat for like 100 people, catered party boat. 
to go on a lake that afternoon. And it was leaving at like uh, four o'clock and staying out till midnight. So we're supposed to be at, at this party boat at four. Well, we were like three hours, maybe three hours from there. My daughter's flight gets uh, delayed. So I pick her up at like probably 1.30. And we got three hours to drive to get there in like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. So I'm driving. I mean, and I'm telling you, there ain't shit out there. Ain't nothing <laughs> but fields and them big-ass fucking windmills. That's all you see. So we're riding along for like hour and a half, two hours. And I'm like, I mean, you don't see nobody. I'm like, you know, fucking state. There ain't no police out here. I said, there ain't nobody in this motherfucker. So I'm in a rental car. I'm flying around this curve trying to get Ross. And then Ross had been calling me on the phone. How far away are you? I'm holding the boat. You know, everybody's ready to leave. I'm like, we'll be there in 15 minutes where we're like 60 miles away. So I'm running, I think, 96. I come around this curve right after I said, there ain't a fucking cop within 100 miles of this shit-ass place. And uh, there's a cop. He comes out. <laughs> I'm talking about smoking. You see gravel shooting out the back of this fucking thing and i'm like and then we of course we had been drinking a little bit and i'm like lord have mercy we ain't gonna make the boat and i'm going to jail and this dude pulls me over and he's like where are you going in such a hurry and i said well i'm gonna be honest with you you ain't gonna believe this but i'm a drag racer and i just flew in and i'm going to the drag strip in brainer and the guy's like give me a license of registration <laughs> and he takes my license registration walks back about 15 minutes later he goes comes back up and hands it to me he goes can you slow this thing down and go on and make it to Brainerd? And I said, yes, sir, I can. And I got about 10 miles and we got about back to about 95 and made it to the party boat with Ross and them. But, <laughs> uh, he probably went back and Googled you. Say, oh yeah. He, he's not lying. All right. Yeah. Well, he's a drag racer. <laughs> our asses would be at the damn slammer right now. 18 time world champion. He's okay. He's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How did you become chef Anthony? Oh, Lord. Because you said I you mentioned earlier it. you had a chef come with you or you had a cook. So, yeah, well, that started it out. Yeah. And he's actually the one that came up with a, we got like a famous recipe at the track called duct tape chicken. And Lee is the one that created duct tape chicken. So I'm racing one time and Lee comes to me. I'm in the staging lanes or something. I don't remember what it was, but I'm busy as hell. And of course, he's, you know, all he does is drinks and cooks. And he's drinking and he's over there bothering me. He's like, Anthony, you got a, uh, a meat uh hammer like a um uh to tenderize meat and i'm like that a fucking meat hammer you know i'm i'm out there racing and he sees this roll of duct tape and he goes i'll use this and so i come back to the trailer and he's over there pounding this chicken with duct tape just to tenderize it so he makes up this duct tape chicken and pasta and i mean it was really good and uh i guess that's where the recipe came from um, so he used to cook for us all the time. And then he had something on or somebody in his family died and left him a million dollars. And we were getting ready to go to a race. And he's like, Anthony, I just got my check. I'm fucking moving to Key West. You know, you're on your own with this rig. <laughs> so <laughs> Lee moved to Key West. And that's when I got riding. I just start carrying the stuff around. But, um, I've been around cooking my mother and, you know, I'm from Italian family. So I've cooked all my life and just, I, mean, I really enjoy it. And, uh, like, like um, Mike said, we used to cook at the at the IHRA races, either Cummins, myself. You know, you walk by Kenny Martin had that damn old. He had some like 1870 refrigerator that he turned into a smoker with smoke coming out of it, cooking chicken. And we just always did it for years. And uh, 
and just enjoyed the shit out of it. I, no, you, I really you never left it. the racetrack when you back then. You didn't leave. You got there. You didn't no. go out to eat. Nothing ever. And everybody was like a family. Mate. I mean, like like I said, you just moved from pit area to pit area. You know, Cummins might say, okay, we're going to cook jambalaya and whatever tonight. All y'all come over, and it might be 40 people in there. It wasn't ever five or six. Yeah. Fucking Cajuns. Yeah. <laughs> now, they cook some good Cajun food now. Well, yeah, That's how I got somebody. it all started. Yeah. Iron Mike, what happened when the uh, lightning hit the motorhome in Michigan? Oh, shit. That was beside me, Ashley. That was just, a, we were just up there one night. It was uh, the very first IHRA race in Martin, Michigan, Ashley. And, uh, Hell, it was just a big thunderstorm coming. I remember being in the motorhome and hearing it sound like a bomb went off outside and walking out. And I think it was only three or four trailers down. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Glidewell's motorhome. Lightning hit it and blew the damn roof apart on it. That was a <laughs> pretty crazy deal. I don't think nobody got hurt, but it was uh, it was damn sure spooky. That's as close as I've ever been to lightning, I can tell you that. You've been pretty close to fire a couple of times, though. Yeah. It's <laughs> not lightning. Fire had been good to us lately. <laughs> Your ass on fire around it. <laughs> Corey Gladwell's in the group. Maybe he can expand on that one in the chat or something. I, I was telling Andy today, we were talking about insurance, and I said, you know, I got I insured my new trailer. I had my other one insured with Larice, and I just insured this new one. And uh, I said, I insured it pretty good. And I thought, you know, I never worried about having a trailer or anything catching on fire. Hell, his house burnt down, and I didn't burn two trailers up. You got to be careful these days. <laughs> it was bad luck, anyway. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I just heard a story when I think Galat, whenever we threw the dice table up at your trailer, was what uh, just what two or three weeks removed from your house burning down. Yeah, it probably wasn't long. Because Labouche said, "Man, I know that's some crusty twenty dollar bills you carried out of there." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did have some burn up money in there a little bit. Actually, somebody <laughs> bought something from me that day for like five grand. It was sitting on my uh, bathroom dresser, and once I couldn't go back in, and a bunch of firemen were in there and it was almost put out and and the fireman he actually went to school with my daughter and he went to my daughter and he goes is there anything you want me to go in there and see if i can find and uh <laughs> hell yeah money yeah. And, and that's what i told him i said i had uh i forgot what else i had in the bathroom i had my keys there everything i said on my dresser was five thousand dollars and my keys and or on the bathroom counter and it actually <clears throat> got knocked into the jacuzzi i had there and the jacuzzi was full of damn insulation, water, sheetrock. I mean, everything that had fallen down from the second floor. And that dude went in there with like knee wading, hip wading boots, found my keys and the five grand. And the $5,000 had one hole, like one cinder had burnt one hole through every one of the $100 oh, bills. Hell. And he found every one of them. Did you give him uh, one of them at least? So, hey, I told him he could keep them all. I didn't give a shit. My house would just burn down. <laughs> or yeah. that shit, don't worry. Yeah. I can tell you how, how me and him, we both try to treat the world where your glass is always half full. I happened to, when, I, when his house was burning, I didn't know it was burning. I just called him. He answered the phone and said, what's up, dog? He said, I'm burning down the house. That's what he yeah. said. I, like, no, I said the roof. Remember that yeah. old song? They're probably too young to know that. No, one. no, I know that one. The roof is on fire. Yeah, we don't give yeah, a roof, whatever. He we don't even want to let the motherfucker burn. burn. That's right. <laughs> he kept singing that song. I didn't know what he's talking about. We talked for ten minutes. He goes, "No, I'm serious, man. My house is burning down." He put it on FaceTime video. He was cutting up. His house is burning to the ground. 
Corey Godwell just posed. He said, it wasn't our damn motorhome, but there was cabinets and shit laying everywhere. We was all drunk. Mertazzi was walking around with no shoes on about the lightning strike. <laughs> hey, I do want to point out, every time I announce a race and I say Bertazzi, everybody's like, it's Bertozzi, dumbass. And I just heard Anthony say it, and they can all kiss my ass. Oh, Lord, you calling them out. Yeah, I, it's been Bertozzi for a long time in the uh, in the racing world, but it's supposed to be pr- pronounced Bertazzi. Oh, my God. I, say it one more time. Bertazzi. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more elegant that way. I think I think loose change is one of them too. Loose change is like, man, it's Bertozzi. I said, man, no, it's not. Like, get your Virginia ass back to Virginia and leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So it was was Iron Mike your like you? How many world championships did you win consecutively in top dragster? And then Mike came in and won three or four, right? So was he your biggest uh, opponent, or was it the other way around? Was Anthony the kid coming in? He wasn't running top drags. He was running super stock and modified back then. Yeah, and modified early. He, he, he was winning them all. The, the actual, the I, I ended up winning the first time. I won both of them in 96. And I can, this is the only thing I can brag on that, that I did better than, quicker than him. I remember in 95 being at the banquet and Shane Carr had one hot rod. And I think he'd finished second in quick rod. I remember we were at the Grove Park Inn for the IHRA banquet. That's in 95. And I thought, you know what? I'd like to be the first one to ever win two championships. Well, we started racing, and Anthony was about to win them both in Super Stock and Modified, <clears throat> and we got to Darlington. Oh, let me stop your story one second, Mike. Remember right. who beat uh, who beat uh, Shane Carr had to win had to win one round in Bristol to be the first one to win two, and if he lost that round in Super Comp, it was like fourth or fifth round. If he lost that round in Super Comp, then uh, Scott Duggins was the world champion. So he had already won Super Street, I think it was. Yeah, hot rod. He had, yeah, yeah, hot rod. And if he won that one round in Bristol, he he would have won the first two before you did. <laughs> and Melinda beat him, and I'll never forget it because Scott Duggins ran up and just kissed her right on her lips. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he didn't win the first two. And then continue your story because you're so talking to the set, first two So I'm winners. thinking I want to do that. And we race all year long and we get all the way to Darlington. <clears throat> and I think it was third round. I had to win third round to win the world in quick rod. I'd already won it in top drags at Bristol the week before. And Anthony's in, they're running quick rod before they're running super stop. <laughs> and Anthony's right behind me. And if he wins, he wins the war. He wins both. And I just happened to pull out. And I pull, I made the run, and then I was I just pulled off a track, and Brett Kepner was doing the interview when he come through with his wind light on. So I was, we were the first two to win two world championships. I just did about thirty seconds before he did. <laughs> That's a true. That story. was all. That's <laughs> true. It was just the, I was the first to win two, then he did it right after that, and then back later in two thousand and one or two, something like that, I ended up winning top drags in there, and I won the B and M World Championship. But uh, so I only won four total. I ain't nowhere close to my buddy over there with 18 or 20 or however many he's got. And you didn't win any in top dragster? I thought you did. I won quick ride in top dragster the very first year. I won them both. I thought AB won one in top dragster and IHR. Yeah, I won top dragster. I, uh, I don't so. remember what year it was. but The uh, modified was really comp, like comp eliminator on the IHRA side. Is that what that was? Yeah, it was It was kind of comp eliminator, but it was a dial-in. So basically it was a bottom bowl bracket race. And it's Y'all have no idea going to them races – 
you knew that he was going to win both of them usually every weekend. He didn't always win them both, but most of the time. And uh, it was it was actually comical. They I remember if I get it if I remember correctly, it was at Bristol, and they had accused him of cheating. And he, I think he drove the car over to the guy's pits and left the car the whole night, told him to take it apart. Come oh, back. no, yeah, that's a true story, too. Danny Shortridge came over, and he goes, Anthony, you know, I, I, I don't believe you're cheating, but all of the super stock guys are raising hell with me saying you're cheating. And he was in my pit, and we just finished making runs. And I said, I mean, you can look at any fucking thing you want in my car. And he goes, uh, you know, I, it ain't me. I don't want to look at it. I said, I'd do better than that. I'll drive the motherfucker to your pits and leave it. Just bring it to the staging lanes when they call first round tomorrow. I got in it and drove it to his pit and dropped it off. And they brought it to the staging lanes the next day. <laughs> and that's a true well, story, yeah. Danny. And he and I have become really good friends. I mean, he was a good dude. Um, and just continue to kick everybody's ass the next day? Uh, yeah. Pretty much. I don't remember. I don't remember that. It was so, – uh, so, so is it true yeah, that yeah, you'd rather uh, red light yeah. than, than have a bad, a bad green light? A hundred percent. It's yeah. stupid because you can win with a bad green light, but I don't like bad green lights. So, and I've yeah, seen you run. go red like in the finals or something where you've been literally double O all day. And I'm like, damn. And then I heard, I think Luke was talking about it one time or somebody was saying that you just cannot stand missing the tree. So you'd rather yeah. go red than miss it. I know. I felt like I was back in, in again, back in the nineties that I could be anything I wanted on a tree right now. I'm happy if I'm better than 60. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But uh yeah, I used to uh I remember one it was a million dollar one of the first million dollar races. I think Bob Harris put it on in um Rockingham years ago. And I want to say Pete was with me. And I I mean I was like just really in the zone. I'd been I had three I want to say I had two double O ones and, and two or three triple O's. And Pete's like, fucking add some to the box. And I'm telling you, add some, add some, add some. And I, I want to say I did add a couple of thousands, but I didn't add what he wanted me to add. And I got to four cars and the guy was like 40 against me. And I turned it one thou red and was just, I was sick about that one. But most of the time I would rather be red and just get it over with than to be late. Hey, he I'm didn't, he you, didn't add a couple. It either had a three or a seven at the end of it. So he had never added a couple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it had to be four. Yeah. I'm a little superstitious. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, if Peter Biondo tells me to jump off a fucking building, I'm going to win. I'm jumping off a fucking building. I'll yeah. roll a couple in if he tells me to roll a couple in. Uh, oh, so I'll tell you a quick Peter Biondo story. Oh, yeah. So, oh, uh, boy. Yeah. So, Jimmy. Did you hear, hang on, hang on, Anthony. Did you hear the story he did on our podcast where he talked about the strip club in Bowling Green or something? Uh, must not have. I need to start. I need to get Facebook and start listening to podcasts. Well, no, you don't have to have Facebook. You just have to have a phone. They don't need any. I'm just don't. Oh, Facebook. I got a phone. I got one right here. Yeah. Yeah, we got the drag. Look up. But... Have Brittany look up the drag ship show for you. Who was actually told that story? Who did he say could tell that story? It wasn't Peter. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. I'll have to figure that out for you. But anyway, he told. Huh. He got. It got it detailed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so your Peter story's got to be pretty good here. Well, this is when I first met Pete. So I used to bracket race all over the country and you could run two cars at all the races, except Moroso, West Palm Beach, five day in Bradenton. They would only let you run one. So I'd carry two cars with me everywhere I went. And I had met Jimmy Deshue by then. We'd been friends for a while and I was going to West Palm Beach and I said, Shoe, I need to find somebody to drive my other car. And, um, and he said, Man, I'm going to tell you right now, I know a kid that's going to be fucking unbelievable 
he just got out of high school um, race, and I think he just turned maybe 16 or 17 or something. He just started racing uh, uh, race cars, and he goes, this guy's going to be one of the best ever. He goes, I'll call and see if he wants to come down there and you know, put you all two together. So he calls Pete, gives him my number. Pete calls me. And that was the first year we took the monkey truck with a hundred cases of beer down to West Palm. <laughs> so Pete flies in. He isn't old enough to rent a car, of course. He, and no Ubers. He catches a cab to the racetrack. <laughs> We're out there partying in this thing, shooting dice, neon light, music blasting, hundred cases of beer. Here comes this little kid over with a damn suitcase. He's rolling behind him. He's straight out of New York. He's got this rat tail hanging out the back of his head. And he's asking people, he goes, hey, y'all know who Anthony is? And like I said, we're up in there shooting dice and shit. That's the first time I ever met him. And he came out to drive one of my cars. And he and I become, of course, really good friends. And he's driven until he you know, started a family. He used to drive for me all the time. But that was his first experience <laughs> with, uh, with us racing with the uh with the monkey truck and in, in west palm beach it was crazy we had uh we had some times where he turned out hey, to be pretty good it, it he was, did jimmy the shoe was pretty good uh <laughs> at, at uh, picking him there was no question it was yeah, really something to see him in the top dragster card indy that was impressive yeah he had a final he gets like uh something he's oh, never said he had been that fast ever and he's just like yeah okay yeah. well first he calls me because it went like six well first run he lifted about eighth mile, he said it was just didn't feel comfortable. And he called me and he goes, can we slow this thing down? And I said, I mean, we can, but you ain't going to qualify. And then after a couple of runs, he got really comfortable in the seat. And I mean, you can look at his runs. He was double every round. And then finally he called me and he said, you know, I'm pretty pumped up. He goes, I'm going to roll a couple of thou in. He was, I never forget. He was 012 and took less than eight thousand, seven or 8,000 yeah, in the line. dark dial 610 to lose a double breakout. I, I announced that lap and I was like, holy shit, that just happened. Yeah. yeah. He would, you could tell he was on so focused on winning that race. Oh, my oh God. he wanted to win top drags for there so bad. That's when I cut my leg. That's right. I, yeah. uh, when I cut my leg because I was entered and couldn't go and I called him to see if he wanted to go. It's yeah. unreal to see what he's done. Um, yeah. It, it is crazy. And then just jumps in a bracket car and wins 10 and 20 grand, just shows up. You yeah. Know? Every time he shows up. Yeah. I, I got to work with him at the spring fling a couple of times and in, in, uh, in Vegas a couple of times. And it was funny. We were at the million, I think it was last year's million and it starts getting late in the rounds and you can just see him getting antsy. Like he wants to be in there racing against those guys. Like, Oh yeah. Uh, he just, he's just so driven and passionate to that was, it was so funny. I go, you want to be in there racing right now. You don't want to be promoting. He goes, as much as I love promoting, I want to go kick their ass. You yeah, know, so yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that. And he I give him you. shit all the time about not racing. I mean, I'm, I know he's, you know, he's devoted family and I, and I, uh, I, um, respect him for that, uh, right now, but I'm like, Pete, take off the million dollar races, the 500 grand, there's a couple of them go ahead and kick the shit out of them and go four times a year. And he's, he's, uh, focused in, in the flings and the family. And when he can get away, he does. And, but he's, uh, he's, a, my I gotta eyes, know. he's the best there ever was. What, what's so magical about all your cars? Because it seems like whoever you throw in them, they're turning on wind lights and winning nationals and million-dollar races. He doesn't let anybody that sucks drive those things. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it is really it's crazy. Some of the, some of the uh, people that just jump in and win. I mean, I, I do try to 
get good drivers and I've got some really good drivers. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's, uh, good karma, good luck. I don't know. It, it ain't the cars. It's, but everybody that gets in them, I mean, it's crazy. Like, uh, Robbie Hudlow, I don't think he'd ran 890 once or twice. And he was at Maple Grove. I had extra car and he said, I'll enter 890. And he won a national event. And then <laughs> Emily jumping in, uh, Pete's wife jumping in the, uh, Corvette at Bristol had never done a burnout in a car with a, um, with a line lock and she wins a national event, but it's, yeah, that story uh, was awesome. That story was funny too. Cause and then somebody wanted my Nova. I forgot it. Um, what was his name? Oh, Steve, Cisco. Steve Cisco. Cisco. Yeah. yeah he won a mill or something in the Nova. <laughs> well, that was pretty 20. nice. You're sitting there on the beach and he calls you and tells you, you won you whatever. What do you get? 400 grand plus or something yeah. out of that deal. Actually, what was crazier than that is I, we would been there on a boat all day and I forgot. I was like, shit, today's the millionaire. Whoever I was with, I was telling and I said, um, I said, let's turn it on when it first, but my daughter was there. So I called Brittany and said, how's John? It was like third or fourth round. And she's like, oh, John's pissed off. He just gave it one light back a thousand fourth round or whatever happened. And I was like, fuck. So, and then it dawned on me. I said, damn, Cisco's there. I said, how's Cisco doing? She goes, I don't know. Hang on a second. This is no shit. She opens the motor home door and she goes, the battery charger's on. I don't know if he's in or out. <laughs> and so I got back to the house and it was probably six round in. I turned it on. He was still in, and of course I watched it from there. But I didn't talk to him going into the race or until I, it dawned on me, you know, days a million, and turned it on or called her. Hey, you know, you, we've seen people exhausted at the racetrack, but Cisco, after win number two in as many days, was fucking beat. He was done. Oh, I could imagine. And and what I mean, the way he did it, I mean, the car was damn broke. What they do? Mm. Throw sixty pounds in it, like eight cars. Yep. Yeah, the rear was broke, like a bunch of gears, and the rear were broke. So he thought it was thought spinning first, or something. Yeah, they thought it was spinning. And it was the rear just slipping the rear until it caught the gear. I don't know how it didn't. If you saw a picture of the rear, it's unbelievable. It, it I helped him push it backwards after the winter circle, and it was um, like it was like click 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 chunk click 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 chunk. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> What's crazy about that is you're at that race where there's literally what 700 cars or whatever and and probably 500 plus of them can just print tickets and he's out there uh -huh. holding eight a tenth whatever in a door oh, car yeah. and 60 and pounds just, doing yeah. this doing that. <laughs> that story yeah. is just unfreaking uh, real like you when just they can't. say it's your day it's your day that's one of those uh gives everybody hope yeah, maybe so i should stay them extra two or three days after i missed the tree the first day and go get on the fucking boat and say <laughs> y'all can have these things so whenever you about cut your leg off, was that the shark bite? Yeah, <laughs> that was a story, but actually it was a new house I built in Virginia beach. It's four stories with a rooftop bar and it's got these uh, ceramic tiles that set on these pedestals. So the rain water can go through them and wash out on a, on a waterproof roof under them. And one of the tiles broke and I fell down in the little hole and that tile just cut me pretty, uh, pretty good. To the bone. Just wasn't a great white though, huh? Uh, I like yeah. the shark bite story way better. Shark bite sounds Yeah, better. it does sound way better. It kind of sounds like your stocker catching on fire and burning. Yeah, shit exactly. Up. Burning all the hair <laughs> off my head. <laughs> hey, you, you two are you two are the ones to ask what what was what happened to the I I mean what was the demise? We were Ryan I Ryan probably knows because he likes history, but what was the decline of Viatre? What happened? Because for there for a long time, I mean it it looked like, you know, from <laughs> Looking back on it, it looked like a damn place to go. I mean, yeah. it looked like it was a good deal, and it looked like everything else was happening, and it just quit. 
if I had to say, it's when Bill Bader left. Pretty much I was it. getting ready to say, I'll let Mike yeah. answer this, but 100%, I don't want to talk bad about IHRA. Bill Bader was a, an unbelievable promoter, a super guy. And if he went back today, I think it'd take him about a year, maybe two years at the most, and be back. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, you can see it in Norwalk. He's just a, he's that guy. He puts his heart and soul in whatever he does. And they made him fun to go stuff. to. And, and I remember, you remember, we'd go to Louisville every year, Ohio Valley. That was the sports nationals. And it was always so hot. Where's so the hell John Park? Just everywhere. But it was so hot there. <laughs> and we, it was always known that was going to be the water gun fight. So everybody come out with these big water guns and you riding around on golf carts and scooters. And if you were outside, you were getting soaking wet, no matter what. You get on a golf cart, whatever, you're getting wet. And uh, we, I know that was going on. And then here comes Bill Bader down the, down the pits. He's on the back of a fire engine. He's got one of them big, that big gun that they shoot, the big, huge water things out. Yeah. He comes down. He shot that on pits. my house when it burned up. Yeah, sprayed everybody. <laughs> that was the kind of guy he was. And he was a, he was a great promoter. The contingency program was great. Everything about it was great. And uh, when he left, it went down quickly. For me, I quit racing top dragster when it went to a 64-car field. And, you know, I had a real fast one. And all back then, I had an all-aluminum 632 and two fours. Back then, that was a lot of shit. Now, everybody's got one. But you just go, all of a sudden, it was 64 cars, and you were racing against bracket cars. And I felt like it was a lot of money to be spent for an added around to the race. And I just quit doing that, got a super gas car. And then as it went down, I went over to NHRA. And I don't know, I think everybody did the same thing. Anthony did the same thing. He just kind of mm-hmm. quit going. When the contingency program died, all the money died. We just all quit. Well, one thing I liked about IHRA in the beginning was I used to – I actually used to work pretty – pretty uh, probably like Mike's working now, but I don't work it like that anymore. But I would work uh, – you could go to an IHRA race, and you could actually get there if you wanted Saturday morning. So they would give like two qualifying runs Friday, one Saturday morning, and run like two or three rounds Saturday and finish on Sunday where NHRA back then used to be Thursday was sportsman qualifying. So you were Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at a, at a NHRA race. So that's what first had me going to IHRA. Um, and then again, when Bill Bader left and I could tell it was starting to go a little sideways then. And I, I kind of got tired of working. I said, Shit, what, what I'm going to try some. What class did under Underwood run an I-Tray all the time? Was it Hot Rod? Uh, hot Rod, yeah. He, he's, I, I've said it on this podcast before, but he, he's always told the story like, you know, it's Sunday morning. If you're still in Sunday morning, he said, you, you don't have to get up, warm your car up. He said, just throw a hair dryer in there, shut the doors. It'll, it'll, you know, all the fog off the windows. He said, you never take the finish line. He said, not one time do you ever take it. <laughs> he said, I won a world championship. And I said, I promise you, first thing Sunday morning, I never took the finish line first once. Hmm. I got a good Underwood story if y'all want one. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so um, I want a good Underwood story and a good LaBoose story, and then we'll cut you off from stories. <laughs> yeah. So my Underwood story is I get people or had people a lot of times, they would say, why do you have so many fucking cars and these guys drive and you can't, you know, they got, it's got to cost you money. And, and um, two things. One, I do like helping people if I can. But um, one way I look at it is, if I give them a car, I said, you know, if they don't crash it or uh, somebody steals it, you can usually get 
you know, your money back. You buy a dragster turnkey and keep it for a couple of years. You ain't going to lose it. It ain't like if you buy it for 60 grand, you're going to lose 60 grand. You might get 55,000 or 50,000. So anyway, that was my kind of the way I looked at it. I said, unless some, unless they crash it or somebody steals it. So <laughs> Wonderwood's on the way in his motorhome to Epping, New Hampshire for a national event, which I was going to be there. And, um, I get a phone call and he's coming through Baltimore and he's in his motorhome and he's got my Camaro on a flat trailer. And I guess his motorhome has a, um, a backup camera where you can see the car. And he was, he calls me, he goes, man, he goes, dude, I was driving along. And he said, I looked in the mirror and the car fell off the trailer. You know, I mean, he was high, um, <laughs> but he was, not, <laughs> I mean, he was high, but he was telling the truth. The fucking car comes off the trailer. I guess the straps break loose. Comes off the trailer, goes down this ditch, round this embankment, spins around, and backs into this, I don't know, wall or, or some kind of embankment. Bent. Only thing it did to it, it filled all of the wheels with mud, and it bent the wheelie bars up around the trunk. So he starts this thing up. He's pulling back up to the trailer when a state trooper comes, pulls over, thinks <laughs> he's drag racing on the highway and he's like i mean fucking look at the car it fell off the trailer so he convinces the state trooper puts it back on the trailer long story short he calls joe sway because he don't know what it knocked out of wax spinning all through there and running through the ditch and hitting the wall calls joe sway and he says i'm on the way to epping joe sway owned atco he goes can i stop at your track and spray all the mud off of this car and just drive it down the track you know semi i don't need clocks or nothing to make sure it you know it's not vibrating nothing's broke and so Joe says, that's fine. So he goes over there, sprays the mud off, takes the wheelie bars off, drives down the track, puts it back on the trailer and goes to Epping and wins the national event that weekend. No, officer, I've got so, glaucoma. Yeah. So when I said, <laughs> as long as they don't crash it, it, was, it wasn't long after that. The bottom <laughs> thing falls off the trailer and he runs through the field. <laughs> I see Joe Swaybar. Yeah. So, so talking about Laboose, so Chris Galitti was still trying to figure out how, I think, drunk Laboose took his parachutes and pulled him on oh, his dragster no, and no, hung him no, over no, his trailer no, back no, door. No. And That's not how that happened. Sober Laboose says I did nothing to do with it. No, drunk Laboose was at the same Galat weekend. We talked about the dice table. Laboose was in pretty rare form that night. Normally, Laboose gets to a point where he just goes to bed. Well, this time, Laboose got to that point and decided he was staying up. And everybody that he knew and even people he didn't know last night that that <laughs> night that had their trailer door open, had their damn chutes pulled on the dragster. So, <laughs> and he closed the door behind it with the chutes hung over. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them he did. Some of them he just left them out. And then the next morning he's not feeling too hot. And he comes up to the fence. He said, yeah, he said, I'm about to talk to drunk John. He said, Hey, I ain't gonna see him for a while. Sober John, I, he didn't do that. That was that was definitely drunk John last night. <laughs> He's gonna pull out on the racetrack, and I think it's maybe the red car. One of them, I think, might have just an exterior power on and off. I'm not sure, but somebody shut it off as he's pulling in the water box, and he just said the. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to answer that one. I like uh, I like sober Laboose at the racetrack when we're uh, racing for big money like that. But I've seen him pull a parachute or two. <laughs> And I'm not talking like five or six parachutes were pulled that night. If you yeah, had a damn parachute, <laughs> if you had a damn parachute and your car was not locked up in your trailer, it was pulled out. <laughs> hey, maybe he was working for the safety safari that night, making yeah. sure everybody's shit worked. <laughs> Make sure everybody knows how to pack a parachute. It was kind of like schooled by Laboose. 
Uh, that's right. Oh, booze. Well, Mike, you've been quiet. What's what's you were you were tell us a little bit about some of your Brit stories uh, earlier, but but let's let's I don't remember some of the stories we told at, at the million, but all I know is you and Brit had me rolling, and I was like, man, I wish I was recording half this stuff. But the good old days, we talked a little bit about you know just how much money was at, at, at stake in iTrade that a lot of NHRA racers racers had no idea. Probably some of the bracket racers didn't know how much you guys were winning over there and and how many times y'all were winning. It was a it was a lot of fun back then for sure. And that a lot of a lot of bracket racers didn't do that. Anthony was a smart one. He was doing it, and I followed him over there really quickly once I figured <laughs> out what was going on. But uh, you were talking about Britt. <clears throat> it was kind of funny because Britt and then when I first met him, I actually met him at Nebraska. We pulled into the IHRA National Event in Nebraska. I'll never forget it. We run that day, and I'd seen him around, a bunch of big old Cajun boys, and had all these Mike Boss dragsters that they all had like 16-inch cages, and they were all wedged in them. And I remember <laughs> going over to the trailer, and they were loading up, and they they had this trailer, and they had to take head they had to take one header and a wheel off each dragster to get them in this trailer. So they loaded these things up, and I think if I ain't mistaken, I think it was a liftgate trailer too. So I think they had put the dragster up on there take a wheel off and a header and wheeling them with the jack and they were loading all the shit up. So, uh, that was, that, that was how I met them. They had some kind of crazy 18 wheeler doing that. That's, that's how I actually met Britt for the first time. They watched him load up all that crazy shit that he had. Yeah. Cause they were, they Brit said they wanted to, they knew the more cars they took, the more classes they could run and more chances to win. But they only had, I guess, uh, Britt and his dad were the only ones old enough to drive back then or something. That was before, uh, Slate was old enough to even drive or something. I don't remember, but yeah, Slate was just a kid back then. He was, or they couldn't. A, they only had one trailer, so they tried to maximize it. And fat Slate, yeah, Slate was, was running around chasing. Slate ran around chasing all the girls at the track. That's what he did. He wasn't old enough to drive. Hmm. Slate so, have trouble with a sixteen-inch cage right now. <laughs> he would have a little trouble with that. <laughs> that that's yeah, me. Out in front of the other. I've had a race. I've had a race in Pine Valley a couple of years ago, and and Slate, and I think it was Slate and uh and um what's his name? Maybe Cole. We're putting on a race, and it's late in the race, and we're just waiting to get to get the finals run, and we're sitting there talking, waiting for him to come back up, and Slate goes, "How come I ain't got one of them drag champ shirts?" And I said, "Well, hell, I ain't probably got nothing in your size." He said, "Oh man, I'm small." I'm a small. I'm like, shit, ain't no small shirt fitting you. I'm in a large. <laughs> I ain't even close to your size. He goes, make it a medium. And I'm like, medium. you really want a medium? And he goes, no, it's medium. Small to medium will work. Shit. He took that thing and cut the sleeves out of it. And next thing I know, he's got him a, a medium on. And anyway, I was like, <laughs> he got to show off them guns, you know. Britain and had only kind of, they'd only kind of raced, I think, around Louisiana with his daddy a little bit in HRA. And he got with us and, I'll never forget he come to the house the first time. He was going to stay over, and we were going on to Norwalk. I took him out. To, we used to have this little country bar called Denim and Diamonds. And I used to have pretty good luck going down there at one time back when I was single. <laughs> and I took Britt down there one night, and the guy had this drink called Goldschlager. And uh, I think they still got it around. But I remember if you drank too much of it, you could never remember what happened the next day. And I know uh, I got up. We did that. And I got up and went to work. And I remember my mama called me at 2 o'clock. She goes, son, should I wake this boy up or not? He, he was still in bed at 2 o'clock the next day at my house. <laughs> my mama <laughs> finally got him up, woke him up, and uh, made him get up and do something. He, he didn't uh, – that was kind of his, his first experience with Goldschlager, I think. I wish he had been on here tonight because I was going to get him on that one for sure. 
Mm. I've had a few nights on Goldslogger, and that stuff is, uh, yeah, it, it's a memory eraser, is what it, it is. is. It, it will erase your memory <laughs> if you drink it. Uh, we we had a lot of fun. We used to we rode around and drank a lot. We did a lot of racing. I think uh, one of the funniest times, <clears throat> me and Britt, we were uh, we were racing for the top dragster world championship, and uh, we was always fucking with each other somehow. And I remember that year we was at Norwalk, and uh, for whatever reason, IHRA had done a cover, and they had put a picture. It was just a picture of me with my helmet on and my eyes cut. It was on the cover for some reason. And uh, I took one of the covers and uh, went and pasted it on his scoop so it was facing. So when he came out that morning, it looked like I was looking at him. <laughs> and, and I remember, and Anthony will probably remember this, we were trying to win the world. He was trying to win the world. I was leading. He was trying to catch me. And uh, he uh, blew his motor up. And back then, I mean, I, and I'll never forget it. Glenn Hedrick, what, get out of bed, I shaved. We were at Norwalk. So I remember Brittany him told it to the, first, the lanes first round because you got points if you showed up. <laughs> they towed it to the first round up there with no oil pan on it. <laughs> <laughs> he had to get his 30 points. So he, uh, we rode up and he was about five pair behind me and I walked back there and said, you going to make the run? He goes, I don't know. And there wasn't no oil pan or starter on it at all. <laughs> <laughs> do what you had to do back in the day. <laughs> yeah, you had to do what you had to do. So but we ended so, up with, me and him ended up with a couple golf carts off in the creek and a few things like that. I feel like I know Anthony's answer to this, but you guys like whenever you guys were dominating, that's when technology and, and drag racing really started heating up and you got you know, obviously the delay box and stuff was out, but was there ever a, a part or something maybe you guys figured out one year that like, hey, this shit really works better than everything else that's out there? Was that ever part of you guys' programs coming through there? For me, it was a play box. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's Anthony's probably least favorite invention because he's really fucking yeah. good on the bottom. <laughs> well, back then, I used to be pretty good on the bottom. But it's funny because I used to bottom bowl before the delay box uh, bracket racing. And matter of fact, the weekend I met Mike, uh, John's dad, I was at um, was it Music City, Mike? Um, yep. It, yeah, no, Clarksville or Music City. Clarksville. Yeah, because they did three oh, of them. They did Clarksville, Music City, the Tin three, three different races. Yeah. yeah, that's what do they call that? The, uh, was it called the Tinto? No, Tinto. it was called the, yeah, Tinto. Yeah, and they went to all three. Then they just started going to Bowling Green. So the first race I went to, and I was parked by Mike. Guess when I met him? He had at Old Chevelle. And um, I, was, I, I knew John Labou Sr. because I'd run him at Moroso uh, back in 87 and, and the um, – but I had the GTO back then, but, uh, I get there and, and John senior comes over and he's looking at my car and he goes, what kind of delay box you got? And no shit. I'd never heard of one. I said, a, a what? A delay box. And he looks at me just stupid. He goes, you don't have a delay box. And I said, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. He goes, you can't win without a delay box. <laughs> and I, so I asked him, honestly, <laughs> I got him to put a delay box in my car that weekend and I tried it a couple times on time trials. I didn't even have a trans brake. I was foot braking. So we hooked it to four line locks. I couldn't fucking let go on the top. That thing was just, and I ended up winning one of the days on the bottom. That, but that that's when I met. Southern Survival Series. No, uh, that it, was, it was 10 tuck. It wasn't Southern Survival. Was it? it was 10 tuck back then. Yeah, 10 tuck because it went to all three races before it went to Bowling Green. But So I used to bottom bowl race, bracket racing, and then, I went to one IHRA race because I had a weekend off in Darlington, South Carolina and run super comp. I'd never run on a pro tree in my life. Couldn't stand it. And you had to be a member of IHRA. This is how I got into IHRA. So I joined IHRA to race that race. And then you got the magazines over the winter and the mail. 
And I used to look at super stock and modified those two classes. And I would see the reaction times because those were both bottom bulb classes. And I'm like, holy shit. So I called the IHRA tech guy and just asked him, I said, super stock and modified. How the fuck do I sign up for that? (laughs) And he said, what kind of car do you got? And I said, well, you know, I've got a dragster. And uh, he said, well, you can run a econo dragster and modified. And then uh, he said, you got to have a door car for super stock. And I said, well, what kind of door car? And he goes, what kind you got? I said, I don't have one, but I'll get one. And that's when I ended up building a super stock from, for IHRA just to run the two bottom bulb classes. That, that's, that's the Camaro that Blake has now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that car is a huge piece of history. And I, I know some people know, but, you know, for a while, BUC was Bertazzi Underwood Coughlin. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Kenny owned the transmission or something in it. But, <laughs> but <laughs> that was Buck. We called it Buck Motorsports. Buck. Yeah, here's, right. the way, here's the way that started. I was at the house one day and Kenny was yeah, there. Yeah, started with you. I, That's right. I called Anthony and I said, hey, what are you doing that old Camaro? And he goes, nothing. I said, why don't we let Kenny drive it? I said, I got this motor and stuff over here. So he sends a car over at my house. Me and Kenny put the motor and tranny in it and delay box and all and started racing. And I was getting a good percentage of it too. And then Kenny blew my motor up. And then I oh, was he disintegrated. That's right. It was not all I had the was a delay box in it. And I was getting a percentage <laughs> of it with the delay box. And then somehow I it ended up, I was totally out. But yeah. I was in it for a while. <laughs> it was, well, it was profitable he was working, for him. He was, yeah, he was working for Jigs. Kenny was. So when Mike's motor blew up, he called John. He's like, John, I need a motor. He goes, ship me a motor over here. So that's when it changed it from Fuquay uh, to Buck. I got it back. <laughs> when I finally got it back for Blake, it had a motor in it. So I called John. He said, you just have that. <laughs> Yeah, he did. That's right. But, <laughs> he just uh, left the motor and it said, take it and race. So you're talking about the delay box, kind of the same as him. I was at the local track, and I'd been winning a bunch on the bottom, quite a bit, really. But I remember going up to Union Hill, and there's a guy up there that won every weekend almost. His name's Tommy Lewis. He still races this day. He's, I, call, I consider him one of my heroes. He won. He hit, he run, he hit the bottom when they had a five-bulb five tree. And on five bulbs, there was nobody better. He counted all five bulbs, and he could just kill them. But they come out with this delay box, and we go up. He comes over, and he goes, Mike, you got to see this delay box thing. He's way quite a bit older than me. And he shows it to me, and I said, well, what's it do? He said, well, you can let go on the top bulb, and it counts down. So I went back over and sat on my trailer, and I'm like, the fuck good is that? I'm like, what do you want to do that for? <laughs> so I just sat there about 30 minutes, and I thought about it, and it kind of clicked. I'm like, oh, fuck, that makes sense. That would work. So I raced that night. And I went home that Saturday night, and I will say I was 17, maybe, 18. Must have been 86. No, I was – yeah, must have been 18. And uh, I got uh, – I come home, and I, I checked on what it was, and I called – I went in and told my dad. I said, Dad, I said, I need to borrow $867. He said, what for? I said, well, I need an MSD, a two-step, a trans brake button, and I need to get Jim Mitchell, my guy here, to put me a trans brake in this thing. So that said, so I'll pay back in two weeks. I said, either I'll win it or I'll just give it. I'll pay you back for working. So he gave me the $867. We went and bought all this shit. I bought an Ed Quay three-digit delay box. <laughs> and I remember going to Clarks for that Friday night. I got there early, and I tried this thing and tried it, tried it. And I couldn't let go on the top. It didn't make no sense to me. I'd been like, I'd been hitting the bottom my whole life. And I cut it off, and I won on Friday night. And I remember my dad going, you don't need that fucking thing. You don't need that delay box. I said, oh, Dad, this is the real deal right here. Go to Music City on Saturday, and they don't have reaction timers. And you just keep taking 200s out till you went red, and you put it back in. And then one Saturday night, that delay box. Then I figured it out. I think from there, I think I won seven weeks in a row at Clarksville after that with the delay box. 
And I'll never forget that. That's, that's how I learned about it. I, that was the biggest thing for me. It made it. I remember it that year at the Hill, they got a petition up and at the banquet, they had a petition with everybody to sign it to put blinders on the tree. So I couldn't cross over anymore. And uh, so they did, they signed it and they got this petition. So they put blinders up. So during the winter I went to work and I made, I drilled me a bunch of aluminum plates out as restrictor plates. And I went up there and test and got me one that would run 748 on the 750 index. And I won the first four or five weeks they had it and they took the blinders off the tree. But <laughs> that's what I remember about the, so for me, it was a delay box for sure. Oh, no so Mike, that first delay box, did you have a calculator to do the math in, to do the math, oh. to do the crossover? Cause yeah, I tried yeah. that shit. Absolutely. And I, you had to keep a calculator. And oh. I remember they, they were so mad at the hill about it that I cross over and look at their ball. They couldn't, people couldn't stand it. Right. Yep. They had this guy up there. He was a friend of mine. and still is. I don't know what happened to him. His name was called Reverend Mopar. Him and his wife raced, and he uh, he was a crew chief. And I remember <clears throat> I was married to my first wife, Terry, and I pulled out in the track. He hadn't put his dial in on yet. I pull out back in the burn box, and he pulls out and backs in. And they wouldn't. There was no dial in. I call her over. I said, "What's a dial in?" She goes, "I don't know." She goes, "It's uh, it's written in Roman numerals." I said, "What?" <laughs> I said, "What the fuck do you mean Roman numerals?" She said, "It's written in Roman numerals." And I look over there and he's got something on the tire and it, it kind of looked like Roman numerals. I said, what in the fuck? So I cut the car off and, and uh, she goes over and asks me to come back. And she said, oh, it's IT. It means the dial-in's in the tower. That's what he put on it. Oh. So anyway, <laughs> the starter comes out and gives you the dial-in. I put it in and they end up winning. But that was, uh, that was they used to be so mad when you would cross over. And uh I had I ran that box for a year before I met Ike Hammer, and then from there I got one of his and then got a crossover. I've been really good friends with Ike until he passed away, and even Charlie now. I still the only thing I run is digital lights still to this day. So my first delay box was in my stalker. So I had a K Automatic eighty two Camaro, and I I was competing in pro on the local bracket racing scene, and I was foot breaking against the delay boxes, and I just got tired of it. So I'm gonna put a delay box in this damn thing, and so I put the delay box in it. Except that that Quadrajet did not like to leave off a low RPM. So I'd, you know, I'd try and stall it up and it would just leave all erratic and I'd cut terrible lights. But the worst thing was trying to cross over and figure the math out. Now, I'm a pretty good math guy. I make my living with math. I was an accountant forever and I could not figure that shit out to save my life. I finally <laughs> just gave up and said, fuck it, I'm going to leave on my bulb. I don't care if I'm spotting them or not. But I never did get to the lay box to work on that stalker. Well, stalker when I was bracket racing it, but hell, a quadrajet doesn't want to leave on high RPM, let alone no, low. No. I, <laughs> I eventually just dialed. I got it down to the bottom of the brake and just foot braked it, and I did pretty well with that, competing against them. But that was hard to do. You said three digit delay box. That was, was reminding me of that. It didn't have the crossovers back then. Yeah, it was a Ed Quay three digit. Wasn't no thousands on it. Shit, I tell people all the time. I raced in 1985. I raced before there were damn reaction times at my local track. Yeah, well, there weren't reaction times at the Hill or Bowling Ring. Yeah. Clarksville oh, on Friday night. So, sometimes the Hill still don't have reaction times on Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> sometimes I wish they did as bad as I drove last year. Hey, Twan, Twan, have you ever been to Clarksville? Yeah, yeah, that's oh. that was the in the beginning the uh the tin tuck. Like I said, when I first yeah. met Mike, it was at Three Music City, Clarks. What's the one that you run off the end of the track and you go down like a that's music? Uh, that's the machine deal. Yeah, that's the yeah. Hill. Okay, yeah, yeah. They're I remember still, riding down on a scooter and I looked like, what the fuck? If you run off the end of this thing, you're done. They're still, still, still like that too. Yep. Huh. That's that's my uh, new 
home track. That's where I just relocated to. So <laughs> it's, hmm. you live, you're right here by me now, ain't you, Jake? Yeah, yeah. I'm just right up the road from you. But uh, Clarksville, for anybody that has never been there, they just need to just Google it, right? Because there's no way to really explain it. It, yeah. I loved it back in the day. I ain't been a long time, but I sure did love it. Hey, they they still foot break like hell on Friday nights. Yeah, I liked that place at the time. It's it's still pretty fast up there. I think I think this track's still pretty fast. I mean, if you want, yeah, it's it's one of those tracks. Like, if you want to find out, you know, how good your stuff is, you take it there because it, it. You walk up there, and the, the starting line looks like they're, they're repaving the interstate up there. But that's probably the best working track I've ever been on, and it, it makes you, no, used to always be no damn sense because, I mean, you get food poisoning from the concession stand, <laughs> you get herpes from the ticket shack chick, like, but. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that place just freaking flat works. You went they there a, for the uh, Thursday night deal, right? Yeah, you were there. I think you were there once. They had a race. They had a race that the on the flyer it said if you buy your tech card before the national anthem, it's fifty dollars. If you buy it after the national anthem, it's one hundred and fifty dollars. Well, the thing <laughs> is, is you could have as many entries as you wanted, so people would lose and go buy them. So I'm like, well, hell, I'm gonna go in there and buy five, and I'll stand outside the front gate and sell them for a hundred. Sell them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm racing on house money. <laughs> Oh man! So Anthony, what's the what's the you're just gonna stick with uh, Superstock and Top Dragster and NHRA? Is that your primary racing nowadays? Yeah, yeah. This year I'm, I didn't decide. Every year I say I'm not chasing the points. Um, <laughs> and then you okay, start okay. winning like three races in a row, and you have to chase points. Yeah, exactly. I said I'm not going any. Well, I say not any points meets. I'm gonna go to Valdosta next week only because I hadn't smelled racing gas in a while. Uh, the boat burns 93, but it doesn't smell like a race car. Um, and then I was going to go to the baby gators just cause it's in, you know, with the gators. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm bored. You know, those it's been are a the, long winter. I'm going to go yeah. race a couple for uh, just the first two points races of the year in division two. And by yeah. the time we get to the gators, he's going to have one <laughs> yeah. in Valdosta, one, one of the, <laughs> one or two of the yeah. classes at the baby. He's going to have 335 <laughs> points when we get to the fucking gators. Oh, shit, I guess I'm going to have to travel to Vegas uh, now and then come through fuck. Houston and, <laughs> The well, problem y'all get is, my, my word. If if I go to those two points meets and I'm gonna go to about three nationals, and if I hadn't won two or three of them, I will not go to one more points meet this year. Period. What is damn, uh, those what is, damn uh, points? The points have messed up a couple of my boating weekends. I ain't real thrilled about. Yeah. That. <laughs> this this is what I keep telling him. I say, man, you won 18 world championships. Nobody's gonna care whether it's 19 or 20 or 18. Eight, yeah, let's go back. boating. Hey, yeah. Once you get past, the, once you get up in the teens, nobody cares anymore. I announced a national somewhere, and I was like, you know, you know, Anthony, you know, 16-time world champion, Reinhardt's in the back. I'm like, that's on the IHRA side. I'm like, I don't give a fuck if it's if it's in New Zealand. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's like, we don't talk he's about actually that. Beating up, he's actually beating up better racers than he was on the NHRA side. Shut the fuck up, Al. <laughs> hey, Ryan, that's like questioning whether Ric Flair had how many world, uh, world titles in WCW versus WWF, right? It's 16, but yeah. <laughs> we got, Anthony, look, I got I got Bob Welch, I got Ryan to talk. <laughs> Anthony's got more world titles than Ric Flair. So <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I like it because everybody's like 16, 15 time, 18, 20. I don't know. He just got a shit ton of world titles, man. Hmm. Juan, what does what does Phil say when you tell him that every year? Like, I went points racing. He's like, fuck, here we go. I'm filling the trailer up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he usually doesn't believe me. Yeah. I, I made him a believer this year. <laughs> I, I really got some plans for the summer. We're going to do some uh, different stuff with a little 
girls. And again, unless I was to win three or four of the first six I go to. So I'm not expecting to. You know, and I want to do a little I, more bracket racing. I really do. I want to go to Cup. Well, Pete scheduled the two, uh, the two um, Bristol and the um, Galat Flings are on both Charlotte Nationals. So I think I'm going to go to the first Charlotte and then to his Bristol Fling. But, every uh, uh, every national event before the national events for the last few years, I do a preview where I pick who I think is going to win each class. And uh, you probably hadn't seen those, but I've picked you to win quite a few times in Superstock and Top Dragster. And I've nailed it quite a few times. I usually get the wrong class, though. You know, I'll pick you for Top Dragster and you'll win Superstock or I'll do the vice versa. But uh, you're, yeah. you're usually featured in those things pretty hi- highly because if I see your name on the entry list, I'm like, hell, that's an easy one. I got to. You're, you really, you're really going out on a limb there, aren't you, Gary? Yeah, I, get I appreciate yeah. the uh, appreciate the confidence. I need to get some more confidence. I just need to get some more photos. Can somebody? Can you hire a photographer to take a photo or two and put put on somebody's? You know, just email me or something because uh, I like search you, high and low to get photos of you. Sometimes hey, before you put any more fag photos of something, let me send you a couple. <laughs> 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 hey, I just want—I just want you guys to know it's only gay if you're in the front. Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't know who was in the front. I ain't seen the photo. I oh, we were both in the front. Side. You didn't they see where the girls side. were, though. The girls were—they <laughs> uh, were in the uh, picture, but they—they they were down low. We just got about fifty <laughs> laugh emojis on Facebook right there. They're laughing. They were down low. He said. <laughs> they were down low. I'll tell you all a funny—it's kind of a funny story. This last year, me and Anthony, we've been trying to take the boat. And go to Bahamas in that cigarette boat for that we've been trying for four years. How far is that? It's about forty nine miles from his house down there, but you got to cross the Gulf Stream. And we're always trying to do it in the winter when the weather when the weather's usually the worst. And we've tried to go and get there. The waves be too big. We turn around, keep giving up. Well, this time, what was it? Was it? It was June, wasn't it? June, yeah, we went. mm. So they say it's just flat calm in June, man. It's flat calm. We're going to Bahamas. We're going to do it this time. And right before we get ready to go. His girl, my girl, both bail out on us. They ain't going. So now it's just me and him. So we call two of our buddies. Uh, well, we call Fur. Fur yeah. comes and then my buddy Justin Brown. So so we didn't really think of it until we all got in the boat that morning. We looked around. And it's kind of a thing. You don't try to want to get in a cigarette boat and ride around with a bunch of dudes. It really don't look good for you. And uh, so every place we every place we stopped at, there was always some kind of rare. First thing I tell them, hey, we got girls. We just don't have them with us this weekend. <laughs> and then it got it got to be worse than that when you get over to the Bahamas. It was, uh, it was we had a good time, but that's the only boat trip we ever took with four dudes. I can tell you that. <laughs> Sounds like if it, anybody have a good if time anybody was going to be the bitch, it was going to be fur though. I can say that because he ain't on here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! What, so, so Mike, you got obviously a good a day job that keeps you busy. You and Blake running FTD, building custom wheels for Harleys and dragsters and drag and cars. Troy. You got to include Troy. Okay, and so but you're now more bracket racing as you as we talked before the show started. Is that what y'all's yeah. kind of focus is? Yeah, you know, I I quit for six or seven years, and then Blake got started, kind of drove me back in. And I think I raced a couple times, two three years ago, and three or four times, five times last year. And <clears throat> I reckon we're going to do a little bit more. I'm going to try to go to five or six. He's going to race a bunch, but I'm going to race a little bit. I still want to do some boating. I just want to go when uh, I want to go when it's a lot of money. If I, if I get lucky and win another one, I want it to be a lot of money when I win. I don't I don't really give a shit about going to race for five grand or as sad as this is. I don't really give a shit about going to race for 10 grand. If I win one, I want it to be a big one. Mm, so, you need uh, to be a Cisco. Yeah, I want to be like Cisco. 
So, so how is the big money? I mean, it is literally big money out there now with the guaranteed million this year and 500 K's and all that. Is that changed? They're all gone. Is it? Well, this year may, may, there may not be any millions, but how's that changed racing for you guys? Do you see it, you know, is it tougher now? Is it uh, just what's different than what y'all were doing 15 years ago? I don't know if it's tougher. We suck works. I'm not really sure, but I think that, <laughs> I think it's tougher. Yeah, I, I I told people as they started doing more of the guaranteed millions and guaranteed 500Ks and all that stuff, I said, it's going to bring bigger money into the sport. And I say bigger money, just people that have a lot of money that don't give a shit how much it costs at any, they just want to win that million. And it's going to bring more people like that into the sport. And, you know, of course, they're going to buy the nicest equipment and, you know, buy all the nowadays, you can buy all the nicest stuff you need to be competitive. You just got to let go or hire a driver that can let go. But I just I just wanted to win a million. You came close, Jake. <laughs> Can y'all believe Jake actually led the top ten? He told me forever he cried because he won a ten grander, didn't make the top ten list, and then he actually freaking led the top ten list. He was number one on it one week. J- Jake, did you win Rosso runner up? Uh, I semied and won in the same day. That's what I thought. I was I was oh. there for that. And that was uh, and that was really cool because I can tell you, and Andy will agree with me. There was there was. Moroso was always that was the biggest one for me always, well, and that and that's what I told Fred, the, the Canadian that was with me. I know he was he's been to a couple of the five days before they stopped, but I was like, dude, I like I got out of the car, I was like, I just won the fucking five day. Like, I don't give a shit what I did at Montgomery the week before, but I won the fucking five day. And like, I, I was standing there watching you when and, you did, and I, I could say that back when it was going on, that's the one I looked forward to all year. And me and Anthony talked about it many times. I'd have probably not raced the whole year. To just go to the five day. Well, and yeah, if they gave you the choice, and I almost them. didn't even go. I almost dropped the rig off and flew home because, you know, I had a bunch of stuff going on. New, his, his future wife wasn't letting. And, yeah, and she and she was like, "Hey, you know, Easton's got school. We need to be home. This and that." And I was like, "Listen, I'll do whatever. I want to go to the damn five day." And, it, and yeah, I, that was your first one, right? That's my first one ever. And now. Here and you guys will enjoy this. Alan Glatt said, "Oh, we're keeping track of points. We're gonna we're gonna crown a five day champion. You know, we're keeping track. You know, the track's not doing it, but we're us old heads. We're keeping track." I said, "Okay." <laughs> I semied one and lost fifth round, and all and they only had three races, in the same number. And I thought, hell, I just won the last five days championship. I ain't heard a damn That's word it. from Alan Glatt. <laughs> I ain't heard a damn word from him. I'm like, did I just yeah. win the last fucking five day championship? Uh, I'm telling man. You look at the points every day, and of all the ones that I won, that was the one. I've run it up to Brian Folk once. I never won it. I think Anthony won it five or six times. It was the one I always wanted to win that never did. And that's why we went back this time. I won another shot at it. And if they had it next year, I'd go back again. How fitting was it that Skinny Kenny got the last win? Didn't he win the Saturday race? Yeah, him and Troy in the final. Yeah, it was way cool. That that was really cool. I thought that was nice and and very fitting because they had both had – Tremendous success over the years of that thing. So I was trying to get Andy to come the whole time. Of course, when I'm calling him there, he was wishing he came after every day. Oh, I know. I wish I would have. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> that was actually one of my best memories was 87 was the first year I ever went. And we towed a flat trailer with a GTO down there. And the first day, Friday, I won. And I, it's funny that night I said, oh, going down there, I said, if I could win one of these days, I don't give a fuck if I won not one more round, one other round the weekend. I just like to win one day here. And I won the first day. So then you go to bed and you're like, fuck, you're leading the points at Moroso. And, you know, you're all pumped up. 
I got beat first round the second day, the third day, the fourth day, and the fifth day. I never lost. Never <laughs> hey, won one more round. You spoke I'm it like, into hey, existence, you got to be careful what you wish for. I said, if I just win one race down there, I don't care if I win another round. You know, I funny. sure didn't. I didn't know that. The very first year I went was 87. And I didn't win in Moroso, but I won the first day at Bradenton of the five day. That I won the very first time I went down there in my Chevelle with a damn Turbo 400. I didn't know you won the same. I didn't know, remember you winning the same yeah. year. I won that was Friday, my first year to go. Was 87. 87. And I wish I could have went to that back check in the, the day. Me and Jake weren't even born in 87. Yeah, we were yeah. negative six. <laughs> Y'all don't remember that. Yeah, no. we were negative six at that time. We were. They're, they're young pups. <laughs> yeah, all right. I still got the gold medal and the trophy still and the checks on the wall. And, there. and that's one of my favorite ones of all. And that's what I don't think, you know, at, at my shop, like my $90,000 check that I gave me for a semifinal is still at Dave Kenny's house. But by God, my five-day trophy is at my shop on the counter. Like oh. well, I remember you asking me to take, you asked me if I'd bring yeah. it home for you. Hell, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Damn, you tell talking about a day you want to hit on a sad thing that I can say that burn up in my house. All of my racing trophies were in a trophy room. The only thing I lost was a, the grandfather clock I won, oh. the one in the 10th anniversary. It was in the upstairs uh, living room in the house, and it burnt to the ground. The house had burned down. That was the only racing memorabilia I lost was my uh, grandfather clock from the 10th, uh, 10th anniversary of the five-day. That's crazy. I remember walking into Skinny's house and seeing his. I'm like, man, that's just, just freaking awesome. Yeah, that was some good time. Kenny won a bunch of them things. Well, guys, we've kept you an hour and a half. That's a little longer than we normally kept. So um, we'll, we'll let you go. And we definitely appreciate you guys coming on, entertaining us and entertaining all of our Drag Champ Pro members, which is just our membership program. And um, it's been amazing talking and listening to all the stories and stuff. But any parting shots before you go? Any one last story, I, one I, last I thing do, you forgot? I do have one last question. Got one. I heard I heard Antoine already, already throw his hat in the ring. Mike, who's the best ever? Well, look, you can go by I, – I tell you, there's a couple that are really, really good. I'm going to be honest with you. They ain't even won 18-time world champion. Oh, easy now, Mike. I'll <laughs> let you ride on the boat, and we can, we can still uh, hang hey, well, we found out who was in front. <laughs> hey, let me, let me go and tell you this. I got my own room down there in the Florida house with my own TV, my own picture on the wall, so I had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> he does have his own room down there with his own picture. He ain't lying. Uh, so, uh, hey, he gets, his mama gets him a picture for Christmas. Gonna get a picture of all of us in the boat. So she gets it made, gets it framed, give to him, and I'm driving the fucking boat. He's in the passenger side. <laughs> she didn't know so when she make, made it. The f- uh-huh. next year we had to make another one, and Christy got it all set up. Me and Christy and Kathy all had to go down to the cab. Or me and Christy had to go down to the cabin. So him and Andy, or her and Andy, get a picture of them riding in the boat with him driving. So they took my picture <laughs> down. They hide it in the closet until I show up. And they hang it up at the last minute. So every time I go in the room, I'm driving. <laughs> that's too fun uh, guys so, we really have enjoyed it and uh hell we'll get you guys back on here again down the road and we'll tell some more stories it was a lot of fun all right well thanks for having me all right yeah thanks pre- again. appreciate thank it you see y'all right, see you guys all right let's see if we can uh let's just knock them out of here wow Labuse is pissed off at me because I told the parachute story. He doesn't know Gulitty told it already in the comments. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Lil, well, Lil not, not as dog. many people saw it in the comments, but uh, anyway, that's too funny. 
That's awesome. Well, Ryan, Blaze and Bob were just blowing you up in the Facebook they are, live comments because they yeah, no, they're my biggest fans. I get it. They don't know what's coming though. I heard a rant is coming, so anybody's no. Like, oh, this- <laughs> hold on, Jake. Guess what? We finally got fucking paid. <laughs> I ain't it's seen not- shit yet. It took us. Uh, that's true. I ain't seen nothing hit my fucking. It's coming. Yet. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in the fucking mail. Yesterday, sunset too. What is I this? Is some bullshit in here? I don't even know how Gleghorn's like, hey, I followed the rules to the minimum. I showed up. I stayed on the whole fucking time. I get paid, bitch. Hey, Gleghorn, he must work for Tulsa Raceway Park because I ain't seen our fucking paycheck yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, man. That's too good. No, Gleghorn tells me today, I can't wait. As soon as we kick them off, as soon as we're done with them. I'm ranting, and I'm like, hell, oh, I got to no. rant, but I'm gonna let it fly. I'm gonna let you let you do it this way. Oh week. God! I mean, first off, like, okay, so how long has it been since we've done the last episode? Almost a year. Not long enough. No, it hasn't. Yeah, we literally was like, <laughs> motherfucker, I ain't been single a year. Get the fuck out of here. It's um, probably well, shit. It's February, and I don't think we. And this is the drag champ April. show after dark with Ryan Gleghorn. Yeah, so first off, to every single one of you that blew up my phone, like, why don't you do that show anymore? Because you all probably don't see it, but I just drove from Fort Worth, Texas to Coleman, Alabama. Straight. Didn't stop except to... 11 hours and 12 minutes. Actually, it doesn't take that long. That's what it said, GPS, because I guessed our time today. If you leave at 5.30 in the morning, it's a lot quicker. Uh, Dallas traffic gets y'all fucked up. I stopped twice to get gas. I stopped no time to shit. Um, but I drive all the way over here trying to hang out with my buddies. I got to do this fucking show for you fucking people. Because y'all want to pay $10 a month to listen to us rant. So guess what? You're going to get you a fucking rant. I think my, How? Old, lady, my old lady would pay $10 a month for me to shut the hell up. Probably. Oh, she'd pay more than that. Thousand percent. She'd pay a hundred dollars a month. All I heard is we missed the podcast. We missed the podcast. Oh, that's all I heard. Like, why don't you do the podcast anymore? Because I have a fucking life, too. Nobody understands. I think it's just, oh, it's an hour, an hour and a half. All you got to do is is just log on and listen to people tell stories. Man, fuck you. Okay? (laughs) Guest guest number two is Poo Poo Pasquale, or else I'm not doing it. Uh Uh-oh. Poo Poo. Poo Poo's on here. Yeah, I know. He said he paid twenty bucks a month, maybe thirty. And I, and <laughs> I want, for him and his old lady. And I want, <laughs> whoa! Uh, I just want him. I just want to get on here and you know what I mean. <laughs> Again, dude, I can't keep keep from watching those. Like I just watch one, I can watch more. Like, well, I uh, I actually don't feel very good, but my mama didn't raise one, so I hop on the podcast. Thanks, Britt. So. uh I have plenty to do, and I actually have a job now. So mm-hmm. You have a business. Yeah, you don't have a job. Business. You have a whole-ass business. It looks good, yeah. too, brother. Proud of you. Yeah, I yeah. have a uh, I have an Azuzu box truck ready to kick my ass first thing in the morning. So, <laughs> so, so Ryan, if you're going to rant, you better rant quick because it sounds no, like I Jake's mean, about to kill it. Yeah, no. Just uh, I hope never one ever asks me about this fucking podcast ever again. Um, and Please show up to the B-Town Winter Throwdown, Baylor, Alabama this weekend, paying $5,000 to win. So if you live, like, within, like, three, four-hour radius and you're not there, uh, you just don't like money or racing that much. 
Tell them. Yeah. I mean, I've got people flying in from North Carolina, Maryland. Uh, got a couple of texts today. Some people from North Carolina are driving. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's going to be a lot of stuff. We're giving away a bunch of entries, a bunch of money. Got ass loads of prizes. I got shit showing up every day over here. Um, it's going to be a good time, whether you're there or not, but you should be there. I'm probably within four hours, but you can kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't go to each other's races. It's fine. It's, it's the, probably the first weekend in, uh, since we've stopped racing that I'm not actually doing anything. So That's fine. Sydney Easton, he might actually win. <laughs> I know exactly. Shit. All right, guys. Well, I guess uh, I won't say see you next week because it's going to be a little more than next week before we talk again, but it won't be long. If they're lucky, it'll be six. (laughs) I'm going to go give Easton his headset back. All right. Take care, guys. See you. See you. See you, Facebook Live. We out. Hey, guys, if you're looking for more new episodes of the Drag Champ Show, go to dragchamp.com slash pro and sign up to be a member. Once you join, you'll get instant access to all the latest episodes we've recorded over the last year. That's dragchamp.com slash pro. Join today.